Hello and welcome to the Crying Burns Calories podcast. I'm your host, Katie Saltzman, personal trainer, nutrition coach, entrepreneur, creator, and expert in teaching women how to take back control of their health, their mindset, and their happiness. Most of you know me as a nutrition coach, but this podcast and this platform is going to be so much more. This is a place where I want to be able to talk about it all. Yes, of course, health and fitness, but also relationships, social media, adulting, hormones, just life. I want this podcast to cover all the ups and downs, and I want you to know that you're not alone. Ultimately, I'm here to give you the confidence to break through what's holding you back, to embrace who you fully are and show up authentically in life. Because life is messy. It's not perfect and it's not meant to be. So grab your wine, a drink, or if you're like me, that chocolate or that ice cream, because it's time to take our stories and the things we go through and make them our superpower. It's time to laugh, cry, learn, and understand that we are all in this together. So let's dive in. I am ultra excited for today's guest episode. She is one of my good friends here in Denver. I actually just met her, gosh, maybe a year ago, and we connected so much. She has a really incredible story. We have a lot of similarities with our stories and releasing expectations in life and just sort of changing, uprooting our lives and changing it all. But Jordan has such an amazing perspective on life and coaching women And I had to bring her on the podcast to talk about all of these things. So Jordan, it is so good to see your face on this podcast episode. It's so good to have you on. Tell everybody who you are. Hi. Well, one, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I feel like we've known each other and been friends for like lifetimes. So this just like, yeah, like we picked up and we're basically like best friends when we met each other. So it worked out great. Um, yeah, I, so (laughs) I don't even know where to start. I am a life coach and breathwork facilitator. Uh, I wear many hats and I love everything Katie stands behind empowering women. Um, and obviously teaching people about the power of breathwork. And like you said, I think a great word is I like watching and helping people reinvent themselves. Yes. It is mind blowing to me how many people stay in things that are average because of fear of change. And one thing I immediately loved about you, and I think why we hit it off so well and became friends is because we literally both had to completely uproot our lives and be willing to surrender and let it all crumble beneath us um, to be where we are today. Jordan and I immediately had this connection where like we were not interested in fluff at all. It was, we like instantly went deep with like, what we had been through and our stories and trauma and everything. And I think that's why we connected so strongly because we weren't interested in the small talk, the fluff. It was like, no, let's hear about you and your story. And we were able to just support each other through that. And what's really cool is that you support other women through that for a living, even without them really knowing. I think a lot of times they'll hire you as a coach, you know, maybe to work on their nervous system or breath work. And then what happens because of that is just amazing. So Let's take it back before we start in get into like the breath work and all the changes that women make. Let's start with your story and the changes that you Mm -hmm. made because you have quite a story and quite some change that you made. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. I got to sort of be a part of and see grow and expand, which was. You truly did. I think that's why too, we both just like word vomited when we met each other. Cause we were like, oh my God, you went through this too. Um, (laughs) Anyways, basically, where do I even start? So Katie and I are both from the Midwest, which I think is another reason why we're just like, yes. Midwest. There's, there's something about the Midwest connection. There is totally. And I was, I feel like I felt it and I knew or something, but um, yeah, so I grew up in the, in the Midwest and grew up in the standard, like got to work the nine to five job. So I did that. I created this almost like white picket fence life is kind of like the way I like to paint it. Mm. Um, I got married because I was told he was the best thing ever got the house. And I was always like feeling like something was missing. To be honest, I really thought for a long time something was like super wrong with me um, because I never was like really happy. And I thought maybe I was depressed or maybe there was, I just kept thinking it was like a me issue. When in reality, I think for a long time, I tried to fit into all of like the societal boxes of like what is okay and what's acceptable and what looks right. Um, And I started to shake that up piece by piece. It took me a minute to get where I am now, but I went, so I left Ohio to go to Arizona. I was like, maybe I just got to get out of Ohio. That was like the first big move or like, I like to call them um, like micro decisions, even though it was not micro at all. My family's like, have you even been to Arizona? And I full on lied to them, by the way. I don't think I've told you this. Like, I was like, of course I've been. It's amazing. (laughs) It's so cool there. There's so much to do. Never had been there. So went to Arizona, was there for like four months and was like, this isn't it. I'm still not happy. I still have this like nudge that something isn't right. Um, But I hadn't started like my healing journey yet. At this point, I was still, so I had left corporate when I like left Ohio and came to Arizona. I became a fitness and nutrition coach and was in Arizona. So that's kind of the scene. I was married, thought it was all good. Husband was with you. Husband was with me. There we go. Wasn't great. Um, And then (laughs) I bought an RV, a fucking 40 foot RV, sold all my shit. Was like, I just had my highest month ever. Why not? Like, let's live. You were just searching for happiness at any aspect. Anyway, any avenue. Yeah. yeah. Actually, Sam Skelly has a book called Hungry for Happiness. If you guys haven't read it, it's such a good book. But literally, that's what I felt like. I felt like hungry for happiness. Like I literally could not stop until I felt like I like ate that that thing that was going to just like really like satisfy me. You know what I mean? Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I love the, that you said, like you said, it was a micro decision that you made because mm-hmm. that's how it was for me too, is like this one little decision sort of snowballed into all of these decisions to where you just hit a point where you're like, actually, I had to completely change and uproot my life. And it's going to look very different, which is scary because you're met with so much resistance. We're mm-hmm. taught our whole lives that this is how our life should look. This is the box that you should fit in. And this is the mold and anything else probably won't work, right? Mm -hmm. So you're met with resistance, not only I think from yourself, but from family and from friends and people around you. It's like we're borrowing fears that aren't ours, even though Mm -hmm. deep down we know that our life is supposed to be different and we're meant for more. 
A hundred percent. It's like I was filling everybody else's expectations on what they thought my life should look like. And I finally was like, fuck it and had to develop, which is funny because now my business is called the resilient society. I had to develop this resiliency of like, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. I don't care what boundary I cross. I don't care whose feelings I hurt. I have to be a wrecking ball of my own life, which is what I joke now with like my clients. I I genuinely feel like I am a wrecking ball for people's lives and then help rebuild the foundation. But that's what I had to do with my own life. So I had been in Arizona. I went to buy the RV, started selling all this stuff. At the same time, I started questioning whether like, like big life things. I was like, do I want to be married? Like, am I happy? Like, why is it so hard for these little things to be fulfilled? Like, I don't think it's too much to come home with flowers, but I thought I was crazy because everyone around me would tell me similar to what you said. Yeah, They were like, this is normal. That's just men. That's just life. Yeah. Like what the fuck kind of life are you living? Like, yeah. I had, it was like, you reach a point where you have everything that you think would make you happy. Like I had the house over my head. I had the husband making six figures. I had, you know, the job at a gym working corporate. I had all of these things that were taught to keep us safe, but yet I didn't feel safe because I wasn't myself. Right. And you're moving further and further away from that. And then you just reach this point, just like you said, where it's almost this like boiling point that you reach where you're like, I've checked all the boxes and I'm not happy. So there has to be more. Mm-hmm. So what did that more look like for you? Um, I know, so- I know what it looks like, but I want you to tell everyone. <laughs> I didn't know what that more was yet. I thought that that more was maybe travel at this point. Like I hadn't actually been as much of a nature girl as I am now. I think the more for me was actually nature. Nature healed me so much. I got so many lessons. I felt like it was like freaking, what is that movie called? Pocahontas where that tree talks. I swear to God, it felt like nature was talking to me and I was like, I'm fucking nuts. I would go on these. Were you on mushrooms in nature, Jordan? You know what? I I have done that, but I was not at this time. (laughs) I hadn't dabbled that far into my healing journey to try mushrooms. We weren't that far into the woo-woo side yet. (laughs) Yeah, we weren't there yet. So I was just like, oh my God, like nature is telling me all these things. Like I just started, it was the stillness really. It was being in nature, quieting everything around me. Nobody else's voices mattered. And that's all I could hear. And that's when I realized, I was like, I do deserve more. You almost have to hit this point. And I forget who said this, but you have to hit hit this point of like, you know how there's like that easy button? I think it's from like Target or something. Mm-hmm. You're like, it's like a fuck it button. That's what I like to tell people. Like you have to reach this point of like finally being willing to just say fuck it and ask for more. Like average was no longer um, what I was going to accept anymore. I decided to start claiming an exceptional life and what I had to burn down in the process I was willing to do because I knew that I deserved more because I finally had the self-worth that I never had um, growing up. And and that's nobody's fault, really. But I'm sure, you know, like whether it's childhood trauma or middle school, high school drama that happened, just little things over time. I saw all of my worth through my body, through my looks and through being validated. And so when I was able to kind of patch those voids and some of my like healing work that I was doing at the time, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, I am worthy. Like I do deserve this amazing life. It was like somebody hit me with a magic wand on the head. Yeah. 
when I was at an event speaking last weekend, one of the speakers um, said uh, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza quote, and I might totally wreck this, but it was something along the lines of like, if you want to meet that next version of you, you have to face the parts of you that are no longer coming with you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is so powerful because you have to face the younger version of you. You have to face the you that thought that her worth was only her body. You have to face all the things that have held you back if you actually want to get to that next level. Mm-hmm. Totally. I like to say that you're uh, like the biggest cock block is the expectations you have on yourself to be healed or to be whole. And like, what I mean by that is I thought because I am somewhat happy and I'm doing well, I didn't have to look backwards to move forwards. But in reality, you do have to meet those shadows. You do have to meet those hard parts. I had to look back at the miscarriage that I had in the marriage when I was in Ohio. I had to look back at childhood abuse that happened to me that I didn't want to uncover. I had to work backwards and feel through that pain But I think a lot of times what people don't do and where they like keep themselves stuck is they start to feel it. They don't have the tools to move through it. And they're too scared or they're too fearful of that. Like, I don't have time to sit in my shit. Like, I can't be sad. I have shit to do. So Mm. they don't feel it at all. That's a really good point because I felt that very much in my healing journey where one thing I didn't realize was I, I wanted things to change so bad that I just wanted to hustle my way out of it, which I think is a very common thing. But two, when I finally realized that I actually needed to heal, I thought I was healing from one thing. But Mm -hmm. what I really was healing from was years of what got me into those situations. A hundred percent. So what, what would you tell for women that are feeling like they don't have enough time to heal and they have the kids and they have this and that, and they're working full time. And they're like, I don't have time to meditate or journal or heal or any of this stuff. I have time to just keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And I, that is such a common thing that I hear. I think two things, one realizing that you don't have to heal just by doing 30 minutes of breath work or 30 minute meditation or hours of like a morning routine that makes you feel holier than that. Like get off the Pinterest, get off the Instagram rails of all of the, what you expect your healing journey to look like. So dropping all of the expectations around the healing journey and know that it looks different for everyone. So maybe just setting a timer for one minute and having a beautiful, like sacred rage fest on your bed where you're literally throwing a tantrum, like you're two and beating the shit out of your pillow. Yeah. And then you move on with your day. Maybe it's you turn on a song for three minutes and you just dance and let your body flow. And you feel what that feels like, like, there's so many different modalities and things people can do that are like on a time scale could be five minutes or less. So it doesn't have to be this big time consuming thing, but the more you, um, the more you press it down and don't feel it, eventually you will be forced similar to like a sickness or I don't know, like say you tore your ACL, like eventually it becomes such an injury, such a rupture in your nervous system that you can't ignore it any longer. And my hope is that if you're listening to this, you don't get to the point of having to experience a lot of the ruptures that you and I both did to finally start to patch up some of those pieces. 100%. I tell everybody, I don't recommend that you get to the point where you have to move to a city where you know absolutely no one and cry on a kitchen floor for three months. I don't want you to get to that point. For me, that was like my only option. That was what was necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
to take it back to what you were saying about these little moments in your day to create joy, to move through emotions, to regulate your nervous system. One thing that Jordan and her partner have taught me so much is to find magic in the mundane things in life. Mm -hmm. Because I think we have this belief that we don't have time to create magic and have these moments that doesn't have to look like a big six hour hike in nature. You can fit those into your day in the smallest ways. But again, it always comes back to releasing the expectation that it has to look a certain way, that Mm -hmm. our life can't have that healing journey because we have too much stress and too many responsibilities that we don't have time to get through the sadness because we have to keep going and grinding. So what, what do you think is like some tactics to release these expectations that it should look a certain way or that we have, like, maybe we've built our life around expectations and it feels like this overwhelming project to try and break them down and build it, rebuild it in a different way. So what would you say are some really simple ways to do that? Well, one, I think self-trust is a huge one, almost making micro decisions of things that build trust. So like, for example, today I was having a moment after my own therapy session and I was like, I just need to make some magic in the mundane and I need to follow through with it. So I, I set like, um, a timer essentially. And I went on a drive to the mountains. I literally just drove there, was there for two minutes and then drove back and was like, Oh, that's fucking awesome. And it was that I followed through. I start, you start to develop this trust in yourself that you can do fucking hard things. And that is like a concrete backbone. I think that you need in your healing journey. So maybe it gets to start really, really, really small of, that you do one minute of meditation or you do one minute of dancing or one minute of screaming, like whatever it is. But when you build these little like things that are self-trust blocks is like kind of what I like to call them. Then you realize you can do bigger things, right? And then the ex- then you almost shift your expectation to be more of a positive expectation, if you will. Like I, I have high standards for myself. However, I have to be willing to almost be flexible, if that makes sense, like with my expectations. So I have to be willing to set an expectation for myself and also be okay breaking it. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that so makes like, so much sense. I do create expectations. Yes, I think we all do. That's so normal. But start to realize when you get an attachment to the expectation, that's when it goes south. Because if it doesn't go that way, you beat yourself up or there's negative self-talk or you can't let that thing go. We have no room for flexibility or magic or anything to happen. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's like, have the goal, have the expectation, but be flexible with the approach to get there essentially. Yeah. Do you think that we women struggle more with the expectations of what other people think of them or the expectations that they set on ourselves, their self? Oh, I love that. I, well, for me personally, it's, I think other people's was at the beginning of my journey, but now it's my own expectations. Mm-hmm. Now it's, it's the Yeah, it, it does. It's the most wild thing. And then you have to release the expectation on like almost your, your healing journey and where you're at, right? Like how many people listening are like, oh my God, like I should be happy. And we create these like shoulds for us. And then we can't be happy because we created the expectation that we have to be a certain way. You know yeah. what I mean? Or what was it? A certain time. 
what was a really light bulb moment for me, and I'm not sure if you had this or not, but I had to release the expectation that other people were in charge of my happiness. Mm. I feel like I spent my whole life blaming other people, maybe blaming my ex-husband for why I wasn't happy in a marriage, blaming myself for getting into relationships that weren't, or blaming other people for not being who they were supposed to be in the relationship. And that's why I wasn't happy. And I think the day that all shifted for me is the day that I realized that I am in charge of my life and my happiness, 100%. Nobody else is in charge of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that you said that. That's so good. I think mine was more around like almost love. Like I had, I had this expectation that somebody else was going to love me hard enough for me to be loved and reality. Yeah, I had to learn to love myself, but I had all these expectations on other people, which which also affected my friendships, my relationships, my family dynamics. And now, like, it's funny, my family jokes are like, you're just so much happier and more joyful to be around. Like, we love being in your presence now. And there's something to say about when you genuinely love yourself and you don't have all these expectations, all these pressures, all these shoulds on you anymore, or you know how to handle them and set the proper boundaries when other people try to place them on you or you place them on yourself. Yeah. When you show up for yourself better, you automatically show up better for the people in your life that you love and that you care about, your friends, your family. It overflows no matter whether whether that's in a negative way or in a positive way. It's mm-hmm. always going to overflow into every aspect of our life with our health, our relationships, you name it. Yeah. One of my favorite things to say to other people and even to myself, so you can take this if you like it, but like saying that's not my belief. Like when somebody says something to me or puts an expectation or some kind of like standard on me, that's not my belief, but thank you. Yeah. And kind of send it like um, Sam Skelly always says, like return to sender, return to sender. So when somebody <laughs> like cast their energy or their expectations or these things on you, you don't have to take it on as yours. And that is one of the most freeing um, realizations ever when yes. you're like, like, I don't have to take this. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I had a very like situation that was very much like this, where I was telling somebody about this idea that I had. And basically they didn't, one, they didn't really understand it. I guess they weren't my like client avatar. So it wasn't really for them to understand, but Mm -hmm. also they gave me really like negative feedback about maybe why it wouldn't work. But then I have to understand that, like, I know what this industry needs. And I also, it's not up to me to borrow somebody else's fears for my life or somebody else's limiting beliefs or somebody that's not in my position or doing what I'm doing. It's not my responsibility to borrow those fears And Mm -hmm. also that was a lesson for me to protect the boundaries on like who you ask for advice from. Oh, a hundred percent. I, I used to be so guilty of that. And Kelsey makes fun of me all the time. That's my partner. Obviously, you know that, um, for saying this, but I always say like, don't ask every Tom, Dick and Harry for their opinion Yeah, because you're not going to usually like what you hear, or you're going to take their belief, their story, their expectation as your own. And that's not yours to take on. So something that can be really helpful of like asking, like when you go to get, get advice from somebody, making sure you set the tone for that conversation. So saying that you just want to be heard in it or saying that you actually would be open to receiving some advice, then 
you're creating that boundary for yourself. You're creating that boundary for them. And you're teaching others how to communicate with you in a respectful way. I think that's a really powerful question for all women to ask when we are listening and supporting other women, whether it's in a coaching relationship, whether it's friendship or family is, do you just want me to listen and hold space for you? Or do you want advice? Because you're going to get two very different scenarios if what they're looking for is something that they're not open to. Yeah. What you're giving them. I think you and I probably really like that question too, because you and I were in situations and in marriages where we didn't feel safe to speak up, um, where we didn't feel safe necessarily to set boundaries. So I almost that's kind of like, were maybe the coach or the mentor or the friend that we wished we had then, or at least I'll speak for me. Like, that's how I feel like I want to create that safe space for somebody because I didn't have that then. And I only knew it. It's teaching women how to reconnect to their bodies. And for me, that's through health for you. It's a lot through like nervous system, happiness, also health. It's all tied together. But I think even deeper, it's teaching women how to like find their inner voice because mm-hmm. I've noticed that we're so disconnected from that. We're so disconnected from our inter- inner voice. Like we have an intuition, right? And I think it's really, really strong, but we tend to just turn the dial off on that and not listen to it and not be able to speak our truth. And I, I find it like hard to teach women how to reconnect to their inner voice, right? How to have that because for most of us, it's been shut off our whole lives. Do you have any mm-hmm. like practices you do with your clients to like teach them how to find their voice again? I love that you said that because it's so insanely true. And there's nothing I love more than getting like a woman that feels like a little bit mousy or a little timid, if you will, <laughs> and fucking lighting a fire under their ass to be empowered enough to use their voice, whatever that looks like for them. So I usually start with breathwork seems to be one of the easiest ways, especially for somebody that's not fully using their voice or is holding back because with breathwork, you're not having to talk through it. You're getting to feel through it. And I do a lot of um, energy work and chakra work around the throat chakra because that's developed from ages typically seven to 12. So whatever happened to you during that time, you could even pause while I'm naming this, whatever your life looked like from seven to 12, and you don't have to fully know some people don't because they suppressed it. That's when your throat chakra was developing. So if you were told to be quiet, speak when you're asked, like any way that you were shut down, your vocal cords start to create a block there. And as adults, if we never tend to them, that could cause us not to sing. That could cause us to be quiet. It can also cause you to be like excessive where you over talk and you never pause to let somebody else talk. Like there's so many symptoms. So I can usually see it in women when there's an imbalance there. Um, And I will ask or invite in, do you want to do some work around this? But I would say starting there, because it's not something you have to talk through. You can feel through it in your body, which is why um, that's my favorite modality to use. And then when and if the women are ready, they can start to bring um, their awareness and attention to did something happen in that time frame? Um, are you not, do not feel like you can set boundaries? Do you not feel like you can sit like whatever it is? You know what I mean? Yeah. I found breath work to be really powerful because for me, I was the casebook. I can't meditate. I can't journal. 
I don't like to sit still. That's not me. That's not my vibe. That's what I needed so badly is to actually do that. But breath work was a little bit different because it wasn't just sitting in stillness. You were focusing on something and you were also like, it almost felt like movement without it being movement. And to Mm -hmm. me, I like to always be moving and doing something, but it was moving almost through energy that it was moving your body. Can you explain like why breathwork is so powerful? It's like a huge, and it's becoming so much more popular as this modality, which I love, but like talk about like true breathwork and sort of the impact that can have on you. Totally. Gosh, I could literally geek out on this topic for forever. So a whole other episode on this. Totally. You do. I'll try to make this as like simple as possible, but I would say one, if you've never done breath work before, be selective on who you're using for breath work. I think it's important that your facilitator is trauma informed. Um, I went through a really intensive six month program to be able to hold space for the trauma that comes up. At the end of the day, if you came to me, I wouldn't be able to shake your hand and know that you had trauma, right? So anything can arise in these sessions because we're consciously activating the nervous system and we're moving energy that could be from years of trauma or things that happened in the womb that we don't even know about. So you just never know what's going to come up in a breathwork session, which is something I love so much is you may go in, of course, with one expectation, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to clear my anxiety today. And then you leave like crying, like, oh my God, I didn't even realize what was bothering me. Like, it's just really cool because it gives you a space to surrender. If your facilitator makes you feel safe enough, safety is the number one thing. So I lead holotropic breath work. It's a softer approach. It is a somatic experience. Um, But essentially it's not busting your nervous system through the roof, like some of the other modalities and programs that people use. And it's not mindful breathing where we're just breathing to slow down and be in stillness. Yeah. Not like box breathing. It's very different. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's so I work with about nine different breathwork patterns. And depending on the person that comes to me, I may do a little choreography with it. I may do a few different breathwork patterns for somebody that's really in their head. I usually choose a few, um, depending on what, where your energy's at, what your nervous system's feeling like. So it's just so cool because there's so many different ways to play around with it. And I basically give a breathwork pattern and then you work through that for a period of time to where the only thing you're focusing on is that breath. And what's beautiful is everything starts to arise in the body, any emotions, any pain, any anxiety, any stress, and it leaves your body without you having to talk through it, which is why it truly is the number one healing modality in the world. Yet so little people use it because we breathe every day. And for somebody that doesn't know what this is, they're like, I already am breathing. What the fuck do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you mean? Breath breath? Like, I'm fine. I can take five deep breaths right here. Um, yeah. Breath work has been a game changer for me, but also it's been the most eye-opening thing. Cause I, I very much had, I had expectations for breath work and I had to learn really quick that like that wasn't going to happen. And I had the experiences. My first breath work session I ever did was in um, Sedona, Arizona. And it was really, really intense for the nervous system. And I remember that experience. And then I've had different ones, but Jordan, I remember you and I were on a Zoom call when we did a Zoom, like it was like a 20 or 25 minute session. And I'm like, easy peasy, I'll just pop this breathwork session in my day and we're good to go. And I was feeling so good that day, like so happy and like cheerful. And then I went into the breathwork session within five minutes, I was sobbing and I have, I don't even know how it just like one, you're right. It depends on who you feel safe with. 
But breath work can like drop you into your body and release something that you didn't even know needed to come up. And mm-hmm. I think that's the most amazing thing about it. It's been so healing for me. Mm, I loved getting to breathe you. It was so beautiful getting to watch you drop in. It's truly one of like the greatest gifts, not only just leading breathwork in general and watching people have a beautiful release, but since we're good friends too, it was like, I just knew you were having this beautiful experience and I was really honored to lead you through that. I want to name why it's so important to move this energy, the emotions in the body, things like that. So people that get um, thyroid cancer or obesity or all those things like the disease doesn't happen for no reason. And people like to turn a blind eye to that, but oftentimes trauma gets stuck in the body. And if you push it down, push it down, push it down, it's got to find a way out, right? Like it can't stay there. So it shows up in your body as an illness. A lot of the times. Yeah. If, if we don't work through it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot, I mean, there are so many people doing breath work to heal and having so many other experiences beyond just breath work. Um, it's understanding that it's always going back to our health, whatever is happening to our physical health is, has a direct impact to what's going on mentally and emotionally in our body. Um, they're they're 100% tied together. And if you don't address your health from all those different aspects, you're doing yourself a disservice. And eventually you're going to come to a point where you're like at, at a breaking point. Yeah, exactly. And I would hope and love to help people avoid, you know, hitting that breaking point because it's never fun. And you and I have both experienced it hitting rock bottom and then almost having to come up with this grit to climb your way out yeah. of it. Um, yeah. It's a lot easier if you just step into a pothole and ha- and get help. From yes, that. I know. I just recorded a podcast episode on how long my journey has been when it comes to healing my, you know, healing from trauma and also healing hormones. It's you have this expectation that like I did, at least I'm above everybody that I can do this like a lot quicker. Right. And then I got knocked on my ass and had a realization that like I actually quick isn't the goal. Happy is the goal. Healthy is the goal. And long-term results are the goal. And a lot of times it takes a longer approach. And I think as women, we're wired for quick results, just with diet culture and what we've been taught our whole life. And as millennials, we're just like, we have this hustle culture mindset where what can we, you know, multitask, what can we get done the quickest? And when it comes to healing and our body and trauma and all the things we've been holding on to and releasing expectations and breaking out of the box that we've been living in, that takes time. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of people wait so long. I know I did. And and don't be surprised if you're listening to this, there is a period of almost intense anger, or at least I'll say for me, that usually drops in when you start to heal, when you do your first breathwork journey, when you do your first meditation, whatever that thing or modality is that falls under the healing realm, you're like, why the fuck did I not know about this sooner? Why didn't I start it sooner? And I remember beating myself up for so long on like, I don't understand why I didn't know about this sooner, why nobody taught me sooner. And I had this period for a while of just being really frustrated and hard on myself because of all these expectations I placed on why didn't I know this? So I really had to release a lot of expectations around my healing journey and just surrender. Like you said, that there is no timeline on healing. It's a forever process. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no timeline in life. And the belief that we have one just creates more stress and anxiety. You know, yeah. like you're, it's like, you're exactly where you're meant to be. And if you are meant to make changes, then like you are right on time with doing that. Yeah, totally. 
Um, so you and your partner, Kelsey, have a podcast called Say More, which I love the name of because you are, are all about women being able to speak their truth and release expectations and saying more in life. So one question I have for you is what is one thing that you wish women asked themselves more? Mm, I 100% this question hands down. Is it coming from a place of love or fear? So when you're making decisions in life or with anything, are you acting out of love or are you acting out of fear? Did you sign up that client for love or did you sign them up out of fear? Did you book that trip for yourself out of love or fear that it won't be there? Like check yourself with literally that that question with everything you do. Like I'll name for myself, I booked an event this coming weekend that I'm that I actually canceled, but I booked it out of fear because I had been working on this partnership for a long time. But in reality, if I look at what's loving for myself, it's to wait and do it when I'm in a season of of wanting to do events like that that are big. And right now I'm in a season of more like one-on-one coaching. And so I did that out of a place of fear. And I had to be really honest with myself. And it helps you stay in authenticity to you and true to your core self. Yeah. So what if you do do something out of fear? It's like, how do you shift it? What if you still want to do that thing? Is it just shifting your mindset to a place of love? Or like, what would you say if women are making decisions that are based purely out of fear, out of not having enough money, not having the thing, not looking cool enough, whatever it might be? Yeah. Well, first you have to start with awareness. So bringing awareness to it. That's like the first thing. Like if you don't realize it's out of fear, you know, you're, you're just kind of, there's nowhere to go. So awareness and then get curious around it. So instead of beating yourself up, instead of bringing shame to it, instead of whatever that thing is, um, getting curious, just asking yourself maybe why, like, why did I do that? Getting curious, whether it's journaling about it, whatever, and then allow yourself to take action. I mean, honestly, this can apply to anything in life. This is literally exactly what happened with me burning my business and life to the ground. I made a micro decision and kept following that. I was terrified, but every decision I made was out of love for myself and not out of fear. I did the RV life, ended up in San Diego, ended my marriage, set him packing, fell in love with a woman. What the (laughs) F? Like literally wanted to question every part of this, but if I would have led my life from fear, I would still be in a marriage where I was unhappy, where it wasn't enough. That was average. I would still be in a job that I, that didn't light me up anymore. I literally had to be willing to burn everything to the ground and you're, and, and you know, whoever's listening, like it doesn't have to be that extreme. You don't have to burn your entire life and business to the ground. No, you don't have to do what Jordan and I did. Yeah. You it doesn't work out this well for everyone. But just checking in because it truly does apply to everything. If you're leading a life based from fear, you're not really living at all. And yeah. that's one of the things that I'll always say when it comes to, you know, my life and uprooting it and all the changes that happened is I felt like I went through a period of so much loss and I really focused, I hyper focused on that loss for so long of like, how am I going to get this back and that back? And I'm in my mid thirties, no kids. I'm living on an air mattress in Colorado. Like what's going on. But then when I actually started to release those expectations with timelines and started to lean into what felt good, it was no longer about what I lost. It it was the fact that like, I did lose a lot of things, but when I lost those things, I also gained the ability to build the most amazing life that I wanted. 
And I yeah. think it's shifting the focus away from fear and what we're going to lose, what we're going to miss out on. And instead focusing on like all of the things you're going to gain from that and the energy you're going to open up and how amazing your life can be. Because for mm -hmm. me, there was nothing scarier than my life staying in the same position that I was because I was so unhappy. Yeah, totally. You almost have to have this unwavering faith that everything is going to work out. And like you said, taking the focus to what you're gaining. But a lot of times people can't do that because you most of the times can't see that next step. Like we're not meant to see what's at the end of the road. If you knew when you were going to die someday, you would be terrified and you'd live every moment terrified. Like we're not meant to see what's through that next door, but we have to have enough faith to open that door and go anyways, if it's from a place of love, because like what you said, what is on the other side is greater than you could have ever imagined. Yeah. And you're, and I think too, going back to creating magic in the mundane, how can you create that when your life feels like it's in shambles, when shit is hard, when you're pivoting, when everything's changing, where can you still create or find some joy so that life doesn't feel so damn daunting and serious all the time. Yeah. I think that's such, I think that's such a good way to end it and such a good point. And I, I just want to reiterate the fact that look, Jordan and I made these massive, massive changes in our life, but they did start as these little micro changes and shifts. And it doesn't have to be the most extreme thing, but if you're sitting here and unhappy and you have all these expectations on yourself and people around you, it's like, what are the smallest steps that you can take today? Whether it's one minute or two minutes, or maybe it's just like one little shift that you can make to at least get the momentum going in the right direction, right? Forward motion is, is better than no motion at all. Mm, I love that. That's so true. Yeah. So Jordan, I want to know where all these women that are listening can find you, your podcast, your Instagram, let us know. Yeah, all the things. Um, yeah, so my partner and I, Kelsey, have the Say More podcast. You can find us on Apple or Spotify there. And then, of course, on Instagram and Facebook, I'm Jordan Alexis Nolan. And there, I would love to support anybody that wants to dive into breathwork or their healing. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Jordan. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. If you vibe with this episode, I would love to hear from you. You know at Crying Burns Calories, we are all about community and connection and just changing the conversation about life for women. So if this episode was helpful for you, I would love if you could tag me, share it on your Instagram stories so I can thank you and also so we can just continue to get the message out and growing this amazing community.